Hello and welcome. Legally Brief presents the Child Athlete Abuse Podcast. I'm your host, Judy Saunders. I'm a lawyer, mother, and survivor. I work with competitive youth athletes, survivors of abuse, and their families who are dealing with abusive authority figures. This podcast is for anyone who is fed up, dealing with fear, and searching for answers. I really hope that you enjoy the contents of each episode, but remember, it is never a substitute for speaking directly with an attorney who knows and understands your unique circumstances. If you're looking for past episodes, head on over to my website, jsaunderslawfirm.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the newsletter. And one more thing, don't forget to rate and review the show and leave a comment. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get into the show. Recently, my sons went to go see the Hollywood movie Black Widow. Now, I have some issues with the movie, most notably the name, but that's not the subject of this episode. I looked up the movie and did notice that there were some child actors involved in the show. It led me to start to think about to what extent and whether there are abuse of child actors in Hollywood and the performing arts. I then wanted to dedicate a few episodes to understanding and to discussing with you child abuse in Hollywood. The summer movie season is a perfect opportunity to dedicate and to understand more about this issue. So I wanted us to talk about these three things. Is there abuse of child actors in Hollywood and the performing arts? And if so, to what extent? Are there any patterns or similarities between the abuse of children in the arts and the abuse of what we've seen of our different athletes, be it gymnasts, swimness in competitive youth sports? And then finally, if we as consumers of movies, ticket goers, how we spend our money in supporting the arts, are we complacent if we don't educate ourselves, if we don't ask these questions, and if we don't really look into the abuse of children in Hollywood? Today, there's no shortage for example, of this investigation and people becoming aware of the abuse of children in the arts. Let's take, for example, the latest Free Britney movement. Even I was outraged when I heard to the extent of what had gone on in her career. I wasn't a big fan of Britney Spears, but I did know about her career. You had to know about it. She was everywhere. Her music was on the radio. You saw her face in all the print media and ads. But now looking behind what went on in her career, you understand a little bit about how she was exploited, how we as consumers of magazines and musics, we may have been complacent in that abuse by not speaking out or, or by maybe deciding not to purchase some of these magazines or take part in what really led to be a lot of harm that Miss Spears has endured over the years. Our first episode when we were looking at this abuse in Hollywood and the performing arts I wanted to talk about a couple of different actors that are most notable. So for example, Macaulay Coughlin. You may know Macaulay from his famous appearance in the Home Alone series back in the 90s. This actor was born in the 1980s in New York City. And his parents, his parents, Christopher and his mother, Patricia, 
Like so many young child actors, they took over the role of managing the career. You find the same thing in competitive youth sports. When you have a very talented young athlete, the parents naturally may take over or work with, you know, different individuals in the field, be it a coach or if it's in acting, a director or a manager. But in Macaulay's case, it was his parents who managed the career. Now, Macaulay's father was, had some, he was, I think, related or his sister was in the performing arts. He himself worked on different stages or productions. And Macaulay started acting very young at four years old, started acting on stage and television and films. And it really was, though, in 1990s with the Home Alone series that he both shot up in just being recognized in name and then both in income and in pay. It's reported, I think, that for the first movie that he did, that Home Alone series, he got in the hundreds of thousands. And then for the second one, paid multiple millions, approximately or over $4 million for that Home Alone 2. So you could see that he then became very popular and became, I'm sure, of what I've understood, vulnerable to different negative forces on his career and on his early life. In a 2004 interview on Larry King, it was stated that Macaulay had said that he really tries not to talk about his personal life. He talked a little bit about how being a child actor, how that led to intense conflicts within his family and spoke about how he was estranged and did not have a good relationship with his father. The notoriety of Macaulay and his family didn't just stop with the screen. It went on because at some point, the parents in the mid-1990s, their relationship broke up and it set off a long and twisted legal battle, not only about what individuals would normally have to deal with when they're splitting up a relationship. So say custody or financial support, alimony, child support. It was a long battle in the New York courts and other places about who would manage the career of the child actor, Macaulay. And he also had a sibling, Karen, that was also a child actor. So in the New York Supreme Court in the mid-1990s, there were lots of reports, lots of court hearings and proceedings about what such things as whether the courtroom would be closed, whether this would be the battles and what was going on with the family would be publicly out there in the press, whether the press would have access to the courtroom. And this undoubtedly impacted this young actor, this young child having his entire life in publicized in the court put out in the press. There was a one court proceeding where there was a push to close the courtroom. Attorneys that were representing specifically the interest of Macaulay Culkin wanted the courtroom closed, did not want sensitive matters that may embarrass the child star put out there in the press. And they lost that battle. In fact, the court said when they ruled in favor of allowing the press The court said, well, hey, you know, the harm that may result from the media exposure, from the private lives of these children, you know, that's really not going to outweigh 
the press having access to the courtroom because they're not ordinary children, the court said. The court went on to say that it was a family of professional actors. They were famous. The court noted that Macaulay Culkin was the most famous child actor since Shirley Temple and that because of that and because they were in the limelight, and public figures that they would not be afforded that ability to have the courtroom closed and to have sensitive matters kept private during the court proceedings. That was something that the Macaulay Culkin and his siblings were used to. So you see how being a child actor, even in the court system, in the public, can affect these children at such a young age that they're not even afforded the protection that normal children would have, children that are not considered, quote unquote, public figures or in the limelight. It seems like, in my opinion, that, you know, we as consumers of movies, it's our, when I look at this, even this court opinion, it's our need, it's our desire to look and kind of almost be voyeurs into the lives of these actors, even children, not even talking about adults, but children that could and possibly does lead to their suffering. So maybe we are complacent, you know, in answering the question that I posed earlier, that it's our need to know what's going on that would allow these children to be vulnerable. Here is some background and some statistics to kind of put this into context. There was a documentary done by HBO, Showbiz Kids, that featured some of the obstacles of child actors. It talked about some of the grooming that went on. Child actor Will Wheaton, who played in the 1980 film Stand By Me, talked about in this documentary how it was his mother and her own dream of fame that pushed him to be an actor and resulted in him starting to work at a young age. It was never his idea. And when I say statistics, I should really say that these are more the documentary allowed us to see some direct quotes of how being a child actor and how it was abusive to them at a young age. Tom Bridges was also featured in the documentary. Tom Bridges is known for his role in Different Strokes, situational comedy in the 80s and 90s. Tom Bridges talked about how he had to deal with the consequences of earning that much money, being taken advantage of because he was earning so much money and that he did encounter a sexually abusive publicist. Evan Rachel Woods starred in a movie where at 13, she was told and directed to be sexually provocative and how that impacted her. She talked about that and it was the constant pressure that she had to win the approval and she didn't want to disappoint others as a child actor. There was the actor also featured in this documentary, Alex Winter, who was featured in such works as The King and I, Peter Pan, and other Broadway shows. Winter said that when he was 12, he was sexually abused by an adult. And that at that time, it was the norm to keep quiet. Mr. Winter said that for years, over 25 years, he kept quiet and it led to substantial post-traumatic stress. And it was his assessment that when you are sexually abused as a child and you have no way to talk about it, to understand what's going on, that you either deal with it with drugs, alcohol, suicide, if you don't get help to process this. So 
we're answering our first question. It does exist. Child abuse does exist in many forms, whether it's sexual, whether it's being groomed, whether it's being told to keep silent, whether it's acting out of integrity with yourself, meaning that these child actors are not wanting to actually pursue this career, maybe at this time, at this age, and it was being pushed on them. So we know it does exist. The second thing that I wanted to look into, are there patterns and similarities in the abuse that we see in the world of child actors in Hollywood and the performing arts and what we've seen reported and discussed in competitive youth sports and the abuse that's happening in that industry. What I found is that, yes, there are definite patterns and similarities. Here's the thing. When you have the marriage of talent and youth, it opens up the perfect the perfect storm, so to speak, that makes it possible if you have an abusive authority figure to take advantage of a child. If you're at a young age, you're talented, an individual sees that and they don't have the child's best interest at heart. And when I say best interest, that's actually allowing someone who's talented at a young age and at any age, but especially at a young age, that if they decide not to pursue, be it a sport or be it performing arts or moving, you, the adult in that child's life, need to step back. It's hard so many times when you see talent and youth And as adults, even I would get excited and you think this is great. This is a wonderful opportunity. Let's help this child nurture this. Let's let this grow. This is a great opportunity. The whole world will love to see this talent. So many times it's forgotten that maybe this is just a passing interest for the child and they themselves do not want to pursue this at a high or a competitive level, be it a competitive level in the movie industry or in the sports industry. However, if you don't have adults in the room that are willing to back down and let the child act in what's true to them, that's when you have instances of abuse and control are that come into the equation. And that presents itself with the perfect opportunity for abusive authority figures to take advantage. On prior shows and also on my website, I talk about and I give parents information on how they themselves, we parents, how we can become open and groomed and pulled into behaviors of abusive authority figures when we're not aware because we're offering up the youth and the talent of children to experts, be it in sports or experts, be it in the performing arts by way of managers or publicists. And you allow access and opportunity for individuals who can harm children. And if you're not keenly aware and not only aware, if you're not willing or not able as the adult in that talented child's life to immediately at the first instinct of something's going wrong to walk away from that coach 
or walk away from that organization, then that allows access and opportunities for the child to be hurt. Walking away could mean that the child wants to continue to pursue acting or a movie career, but you've got to understand that you have to then leave maybe one community that you felt supported in or that can take your child to the next level, leaving that and going to another place where there is not abuse. But you have to stay hyper vigilant when you have talent and when you have youth. Because if you have those things and if you have a child that's self-motivated and wants to pursue it, what I've seen is that's the point when the vultures start to circle. And you yourself have to be very protective of your child, willing to walk away, willing to find support and individuals who will not take advantage of your child. Lastly, here's what I propose to everyone. What's our responsibility as consumers of movies, moviegoers, when we purchase a ticket, when we sit down, we grab our popcorn, you know, not so much maybe now in the post-COVID era or the current COVID era, we're not necessarily going to theaters, but we have our subscriptions to Netflix to Hulu, to all the other services, HBO, and you're paying for that. Maybe you're even buying merchandise or different forms. You're supporting movies in different ways and the performing arts. What are we doing as consumers to become aware of this? And if we don't become aware of it, are we being complacent in child abuse? Are we just sitting by and watching systemic harm happen to another individual? I am big on, and I think one of my talents is recognizing, understanding, and really being open to seeing similarities in systems that are broken. And I know that things will not get better or be fixed unless individuals that are part of systems who are not maybe directly impacted unless they also speak up and become very vocal allies when there's individuals being harmed. So maybe you're not being directly impacted, but you educate yourself and you say, wait a minute, that's not right. Maybe I'm not feeling the impact of that, but I know that there's another human out there that's suffering. This theory and this opinion of mine holds true, whether it's systemic racism, whether it's harms that happen in institutions such as religious institutions, educational institutions. And that's why I'm looking at this system of child actors in Hollywood. And I ask myself, when I pay for my Netflix subscription, and if I'm not paying attention to what's going on to children that could possibly be suffering abuse, am I complacent? And here's what I've come up with. My answer is that yes. Yes, we are complacent if we don't ask this question. And if we don't do a little bit of digging, we have a responsibility. If we want our kids to live in a healthy world, we have a responsibility to understand and to ask, is there suffering? And if there is, what can I do? Whether you decide to accept or reject, whether you have you know, some responsibility or something owed to understand whether there's abuse in Hollywood, 
you know, I guess we all have to, you know, understand that and accept what our level of responsibility is. But I'm just putting on the record that I think that we are responsible to look at, in particular, this issue of whether abuse exists and what, if anything, we should do about it before we grab our popcorn and sit down to enjoy another show that involves child actors. So taking away from this, the summer movie season is a good opportunity for us to understand this, do a little digging, asking ourselves, maybe even going back in our memory when we think about some of the movies that were popular when I was a kid. E.T., I remember Exorcist. God, that movie. I still have not seen that movie. The commercials terrified me. But thinking about, I mean, that involved a child actress. Now, if I still can't watch it as an adult, I can only imagine the impact that it had on that child, on the child actress in that movie. So these are things that we should think about maybe going back, thinking about what impact. Look at it. Google makes everything so easy for us now to investigate, to even to start researching something. Your research can go deeper and you can look into secondary and third sources, but it's a way to just ask the question. Don't be a part of broken systems. Look for the similarities and the patterns. And yes, I do see similarities and patterns of abuse between competitive youth sports, that industry, and also our performing art industry. And that we should not my final opinion, we should not be complacent or willfully ignorant when there's abuse going on among children in different systems. Thank you for spending this time with me. I'm going to come back with one or two more episodes looking at particular cases of actors who were children at the time working in Hollywood and what they suffered and just bring this to you so I can help share what I've learned about child actors in Hollywood and what we can do going forward to make every system better for our kids. Always a pleasure. Again, take care of yourself and until next time, be well. information and content in this podcast is provided for entertainment purposes only. Nothing in this podcast shall constitute legal advice and shall not create an attorney-client relationship. This information is general and may not be applicable to your particular circumstances. You should review your particular circumstances with an attorney. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast is hereby expressly disclaimed.